Let's Glow with best-selling author and skin healing expert, Hannah Salito. On today's podcast, I'm chatting to a lovely lady called Alicia Bridges. Alicia has battled psoriasis since childhood and the posts on her Instagram page which really catch my eye are her positivity around dressing and wearing makeup for her skin, her confidence in speaking out about the benefits of therapy and a really interesting topic on her blog which references a lack of ethnically diverse participants when it comes to psoriasis trials. I'm intrigued to learn more. So after a couple of missed calls because... I still haven't got my head around time zones. I finally reach Alicia at her home in Atlanta, Georgia. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. If you have any skin topic suggestions or subjects you would like to hear more openly discussed on forthcoming episodes, you can email me, hannah at hannasolito.com. And if you enjoyed this series, please don't forget to pop a rating on your podcast app for me. Radiant is Hannah Salito's best-selling book, featuring all the information you need to get started, a dedicated 28-day plan, and over 100 recipes to heal skin from within. Order now at hannahsalito.com, via Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, or your local independent bookshop. Hey, Alicia, finally. So you're in Atlanta, Georgia. Tell me, are you out of lockdown over there? Yeah, we're free to go out. They um, started opening the city probably about a month ago. And so now at this point, I think everything is pretty much open. That's so great to hear. Can you go to cafes and restaurants? Because that's what I'm really missing over here right now. You can go to restaurants now. I think that's left up to the restaurant's discretion. Um, cause like Starbucks is open, but you can't go inside. So I think restaurants are just kind of doing what they feel is their due diligence and opening as they feel comfortable. It's so reassuring to hear that parts of the world are finally returning to some sort of normality. So tell me about your skin. When did you first get psoriasis? Um, so I've had psoriasis since I was seven and it came after chicken pox. Um, in the early nineties, catching chickenpox was just a normal thing. Now they have a vaccine for it. But after my chickenpox went away, my grandmother noticed that my skin was not healing properly. And I was having these dry flaky patches all over. So she took me to the doctor and they, uh, diagnosed me with psoriasis. So you're diagnosed age seven and relatively quickly by the sounds of it. And I say that because a lovely lady called Bibi reached out to me this week and she said, I have psoriasis, but it doesn't always look like you would expect psoriasis to look because my skin is black. So I look at the pictures that you're sharing on your page and I see no similarities. And this was really interesting to me because whilst we're all battling those same psychological issues around dealing with a skin condition, I never considered the appearance of psoriasis to be any different depending on skin color. So we got into this whole conversation about the appearance of her skin differing and also the healing patterns, how they differ. And that got me to thinking, here's something that is super interesting to me, something I'm really keen to learn more about. And obviously part of the reason that I reached out to you. Do you feel that as a person of color, you face different battles with psoriasis? Um, So I do think that there are unique challenges for uh, people of color who have different conditions. And I do think that that's something that is missed. So for example, phototherapy is a treatment that many people with psoriasis have tried before. Um, It's also suggested that we get sunlight. 
Well, the studies that have been done for phototherapy, which aren't many, have not included many people of African-American descent or just people of color in general. And so because of our dark skin, that means that our makeup is a little bit different because of the um, melanin. And so it's very important that we include people of color in these studies because what applies to you may not apply to me. And so that's something that has definitely been missing in that area. Another issue is when it comes to scalp psoriasis. With scalp psoriasis, a lot of the shampoos that they prescribe, they, it requires you to wash your hair every two to three days. Well, as an African-American woman, I don't wash my hair that often. I shouldn't wash my hair that often um, because it can break my hair off. And so the issues come with that is now you have patients who have this treatment that really is not good for them. So they don't comply. The treatment doesn't work. They're spending money that doesn't make sense. So those are some factors that come into play with me being a Black woman and my psoriasis and treatment options. You also talk on your page and on your blog about a lack of ethnically diverse participants when it comes to psoriasis trials. Why do you think that is? Um, so I think it's a combination of a few things. So there has been in American history, a lot of distrust between African Americans and the medical community. There have been lots of different studies that have happened on us that we were unaware of all of the specifics. One is the Tuskegee experiment where they went to Tuskegee, Alabama, the uh, doctors, they were doing the study, they went to Tuskegee, Alabama, and they injected these men with syphilis and was not upfront and honest about what it is that they were giving them. So these men had those diseases and took that back to their wives and their girlfriends. And it really became somewhat of an epidemic in that area. And that is just one of the many, many examples of how distrust has been created among African-Americans in the medical community, which is primarily white. So it's that factor, right? So we don't really have a good relationship with the medical community. And then now you have the medical community, and I work closely with dermatologists with different research initiatives, and they don't know how to reestablish that trust. A lot of times when you do clinical trials, it's like either doctors are um, soliciting their patients, or you can go online and enter into a study yourself. Well, because of the distrust, someone might like me may not go online and look for a study. And also African-Americans are disproportionately affected by not having insurance. So they may not even have the opportunity to go see a dermatologist that is doing a study. So you have all of those factors that really affect, you know, my people in participating in medical research. Do you think there's also an element of hiding your skin condition that comes into play here? That living within a very private culture, you're perhaps not encouraged to talk about something that might be considered troublesome or personal? Um, well, I do think just talking with my friends who aren't Black, that that's the commonality that goes beyond color. But I will say in the African-American community, you know, we're very private. And so what goes on in our household kind of stays there. Um, but I also think that something like psoriasis is not well understood for a few reasons. One, 
anytime we assume that there's a skin issue, we think that it's eczema. So a lot of times people are living with psoriasis and don't realize that they think they're living with another condition. The other factor with that is that because there hasn't been a lot of research on black skin and psoriasis and other conditions of the skin, we get misdiagnosed. So if I go to a doctor who is not well versed in black skin and they're not familiar with psoriasis on black skin and they don't know that my psoriasis is not going to be flaky red and inflamed, then they're going to diagnose me with something else. So with all of those factors, you just create this concoction of inaccuracies and then also not being able to properly communicate what it is that you're actually dealing with. So that is the experience that I've seen in my community. You say it differs in appearance from the redness and flakes that we're used to seeing on white skin. Can I ask how your psoriasis looks? So my psoriasis is very dark brown. It's flaky. It's dry. It's extremely dark brown. And the only time I really see red is if I'm scratching and I'm bleeding. Or if that dark patch I told you about, I peel it off. And then you have below that red um, inflamed skin. And I don't even know if I would call that skin maybe tissue, you know, because it's like a couple of layers down. So, yeah, that's how my psoriasis looks. And when your patches heal, do you get a darker hyperpigmentation? So ironically, a lot of Blacks have said that they get dark spots, but I actually get light spots. They go away. Um, It takes some time. I don't know if it's just like being out in the sun or what, but they go away. They're there, but then they go away. The other thing I'd like to ask you about, I chatted to James and Ayamiko last week about their vitiligo. And both of them ditched skin makeup to embrace their natural appearance. I know this can be an incredibly individual and personal choice. And I must admit that throughout my 20s, I used lots of foundation, concealer, and thick American tan tights to hide my psoriasis patches all over my body. You speak positively about using makeup on your Instagram page. Do you feel that disguising your psoriasis helps you to feel more confident? Well, when it comes to makeup, I feel as though we all make decisions, right? And we make decisions based on what's comfortable for us. And what may be comfortable for somebody else may not be comfortable for you or may not be necessary for you. So I always like to preach respect in the choices that people make and whatever makes someone feel beautiful, as long as it's not hurting anyone else, that they should be allowed to do that. Now, for me personally, I do wear makeup. I wear just regular face makeup. But when it comes to body makeup, I really only wear it for special occasions. Like, for example, I was in my friend's wedding and I had all of these flares on my arms and she had picked out a dress and she said that she wanted me to be comfortable. But I did not want to take away from her special day with all of my psoriasis flares and everybody looking and staring at my arm and trying to figure out what was going on. And then me being uncomfortable and being awkward. So I elected to wear makeup. Now, I would encourage anyone to live authentically. And if they can go without makeup, without shame, then you do that. But if makeup is what's going to get you through the day mentally and emotionally, and that's what's going to make you feel good inside, wear your makeup. That's how I look at it. I don't look at it as a negative thing either way. 
And do you find the makeup sets well or is it quite messy? Uh, you have to be quite careful. In my experience, I use Dermablend um, and I've tried to find other body makeups, but so far that's the only one that I've been able to find, but it's, it's really messy. Like if I, I would rather cover up with clothes than I have to wear body makeup, to be quite honest. The other thing you speak so positively about is therapy, which I think is much more commonplace and accepted in America. Although we are getting better over here, I still find there's a certain stigma attached to seeking counseling or emotional support. Do you find there's much less negativity around it over there? So again, um, even in therapy in the African-American community, that's very taboo. And especially with my, my mom's generation and then my grandmother's generation. So I think my generation, we are the ones who are setting some new footsteps and turning a new leaf when it comes to therapy and not being ashamed. Um, I've been doing therapy on and off for about six years, and there was a lot of childhood trauma that I need to get through, you know, um, self-esteem issues that I needed to cipher through. And I would not have been able to do that without therapy. And therapy really has given me tools to use to get through some of that stuff. It's given me a lot of new realizations. So therapy has been godsend for me. I am pro-therapy. I tell people I'm in therapy. And the reason why I do that, because one, I'm breaking the stigma in the African-American community that we have to keep everything on the hush-hush and that we don't talk about the traumas that we've been through. So that's what I'm trying to break. And then secondly, I want to normalize it. I want to destigmatize it. I want people to know that I'm funny, I'm fun, I'm, you know, cool. I have lots of friends. I have a career and I go to therapy, you know. So those are my feelings on that. It's strange, isn't it? Whenever I talk to people to coach them on making quite significant dietary or lifestyle changes and give them an exercise program or dietary changes to make, I find that they will accept those no matter how difficult. But there is still this big reluctance around working on stress and seeking that emotional support. I read a psychologist book. I think his name is Guy Grinch. I think. I know his first name is Guy, and he has a TED talk on emotional health, emotional first aid. And he talked about how when you break your leg, somebody will tell you, go get help. You need to go see a doctor. You have to get what you need in order to heal. But we don't treat mental health in the same way. We don't treat therapy in the same way. If somebody says they're feeling depressed, the advice we offer is, you know, life is, you're too blessed to feel that way. Or, you know, you'll be over it in a week. We don't treat it in the same way as saying, go find help so you can heal whatever is going on in that part of your life. And I'm breaking that, you know, so that's how I feel about it. Do you personally find that stress and emotional upset make your skin worse? I know that when I'm flared, when my body is heavy with psoriasis, that I feel different. I know that my anxieties increase, my encounters with panic attacks increase. But as far as like me being stressed and depressed and that causing the psoriasis, I have been unable to see a correlation with that. 
Changing subjects, Alicia, we've all seen the pictures on the news of the Black Lives Matters protests that are taking place at the moment. They're happening here in London and Manchester and cities around the UK. How is it in Atlanta? So I'm in one of the cities that have been highlighted on a lot of major news outlets, such as CNN. Um, so Atlanta is continuing to do protests. I actually just got a, a text a couple of days ago, I think from Wednesday, they did a peaceful protest at a place called Piedmont Park here. We are the home, uh, Atlanta, Georgia is the home of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so, you know, we take a lot of pride in civil rights and rights for all people and rights for Im- immigrants, you know, people of color, because people of color encompasses Hispanics, Asians, everybody who is not white. There's a lot of work that's being done here. We also have like the Civil Rights Museum. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in Atlanta. Do you feel the protests are going to lead to a real change this time? Does this feel different? That's an interesting question. There, I have seen some small changes that I have not necessarily seen before. I think it's still going to take time. I think we're headed in the right direction. But they're still going to take it's still going to take time and we have to do more than just protest. Protest is a great tool. It's a great way to garner attention. It's a great way to speak out about the injustices against black men and women. Um, But we have to start getting to office. We have to start filtrating uh, the politics. Uh, We have to start changing laws. We have to start hiring, not only hiring better officers, but having better protocol you know, especially interpersonal skills. I don't think we're focused enough on that. So we're headed in the right direction, but I think we still have a long way to go. I think what I've seen that makes me think this might be the start of real change is lots of people from every race in various countries all standing in solidarity. And it's important that we all support each other, right? Because we're all impacted by each other in some way. So it's a must that we all come together and ally against those who are not for equality, who are not for human rights, who are for discrimination, segregation, and the mistreatment of people. So it's important that we all come together and try to make this change. Thank you, Alicia. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me, bearing with me on the crazy time differences that I still need to get my head around, and also for really teaching me today. Alicia is at Alicia M. Bridges on Instagram. And thank you, Alicia, for highlighting some of the differences and those similarities that we all share in battling visible skin conditions. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about sharing this across my platforms and you know I really appreciate you reaching out and trying to get the voice of all people and to offer uh, a variety of perspectives you know sometimes people lack the knowledge not on purpose but just because in their mind they're not aware enough to know that there's something else that they're supposed to know and grab we're just so used to, even even for myself, we're occupied by our own world and by our own experiences. And so when we do that, sometimes it's really hard to get out of our world 
and to get into someone else's. So I really appreciate you for taking that leap and really trying to collide our world so that we can have a better understanding of each other. Hannah Salito's natural skincare range is available to order now. Featuring a skin soothing spray, scar minimizing oil, hair care, teas and tinctures. It's the natural solution to support your skin healing journey. Order now at hannahsalito.com.